This is the EWN Podcast Network. Welcome to Driving Outcomes, your source for inspired solutions to address the most pressing leadership concerns of today. On each episode, we examine the latest developments in applied research and education and how it impacts your business and social outcomes. Our host, Tracy Shirachi, brings you conversations with groundbreaking researchers, educators, and business leaders who are changing the face of leadership every day. And now, here's Tracy. Hi, everyone. I have the pleasure of introducing two of our guests here, Mike Marone, who's a PhD and the Director of Research and Thought Leadership for Dell Carnegie and Associates, where he's responsible for ongoing research into current issues facing leaders, employees, and organizations worldwide, and Jerry, CEO of Dale Carnegie here in Orange County. And we're going to talk today about developing a resilient workforce. In other words, how can organizations thrive in the face of adversity? So Mark, I was wondering if you could describe for us um, a little bit about why resilience is important, but also what is resilience? Sure. Well, it, we'll start with the second one. Re resilience really is as we look at it, the ability to bounce back and bounce back from adversity or stressors at work or in our life. And in order to do that, we really need to have the ability to cope, you know, kind of cope immediately with the disruption in our life or in the workplace and then recover from that so that we're able to some way bounce back to at least where we were before. And then ultimately to really be able to learn and grow. Learn and grow from that experience so that you have the next adversity or disruption that uh, you're able to be that much more resilient. And the two really underlying pieces of that are having a positive attitude and being confident. We'll talk more about that. But that's, that's sort of a nutshell of how we define resilience and how many other scholars and, and uh, researchers have looked at it as well. And we, we know it's particularly important um, during a crisis, but it is it's critical at any time uh, when there's change. And I think we can all assume that we're pretty much in a constant state of change. And uh, certainly with today's crisis and COVID-19, it becomes even more relevant because again, having that ability to bounce back really makes us allow to be more creative, more innovative, uh, we're focused, we're more productive. And ultimately for the organization, this is a good thing. It creates agility. It creates uh, an opportunity to serve our customers better. And so there are a whole host of really good things that come out of a workforce that's, that's agile and resilient, but also for ourselves too. And uh, so, yeah, and we can talk more about those too. So it's kind of like COVID-19 has helped bring that to the forefront. But as you've mentioned, like it's important that this kind of raises our awareness for why we need to start doing it if we aren't already um, prioritizing the importance of having resilience in the workforce on an ongoing basis so that we're better prepared regardless of what, I guess, life throws us, right? And then I guess the question is, like, how do we go about developing a workforce? Like, do we provide un undue pressure to people in the workforce so that they become more resilient by nature we, we of going through hardship, resilience. right? <laughs> or do we, like, how do we go about that? Maybe, Jerry, you can lend to some, like, instruction around that. But how do we really develop that aside from a positive mindset and maybe, you know, hiring the right people with that positivity and upbeat 
um, focus, but what other things can we do if, you know, for instance, we're going through a bad crisis like we are today where, you know, people are down, right? And individuals are going through a lot of stressors at home, whether or not it's crazy kids running all over or, you know, undue pressures because they don't want to get laid off. Like, how do we go about um, providing that on an ongoing basis? Sure. Yeah. Well, you know, clearly people come with their own resilience. They have this inherent innate innate resilience. And, you know, I mean, we always read these stories about like how people have been lost in the wild for weeks and, you know, they've somehow managed to survive or they've been in a, you know, a, um, a prisoner of war for five years. And, and, and so everyone has some level of resilience that can be um, and that is influenced by their positive mindset and their confidence about the situation around them. But that cope, recover, and learn um, can really be facilitated by the organization. You think about the different stressors and demands that are on people, and let's just take today's situation. So people are working remotely. They're in a new environment. There's stress and anxiety. Maybe some of their colleagues have been furloughed or, 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 or terminated, maybe they're in, in danger of losing their jobs. So that's all a lot of stress and anxiety. Perhaps there are less resources than if there are less people working. And so then what can the organization do to affect the, re- the resources that offset those demands? And those resources could, or could be tangible or intangible, things like um, you know, pro- providing money, providing support, it could be providing physical resources for somebody to work remotely to get their job done. I know you see stories about uh, how this digital transformation has been accelerated and some people who are now being asked to work from home never had a laptop before. So giving them the resources to work from home to communicate with their manager on an ongoing basis, those are all those tangible resources. And they're intangible ones as well. As well. I think Jerry can... I reference some of these, but there are things like making these people feel valued and appreciated. And those are resources that help to um, enable someone's inherent resilience to, to flourish. It could be things like um, empowering people. So again, you work from home, I'm your manager. I trust you and I'm going to empower you to get the job done because I've created a vision of what needs to be done and an expectation and you understand the purpose of the organization so that then those demands are offset by those intangible resources. And so, um, yeah, and we, we could go on, but I think that the key thing to think about for leaders and organizations is to really uncover what those true demands are, those stressors. Um, again, working remotely, but even as we go through post-COVID, coming back to a workplace where there's social distancing, perhaps, where um, there's a a very different environment where maybe there are fewer people uh, working in the office, or maybe where they're having to deal with their remote teams, but from the other side. And clearly, I mean, we're going to have those demands. And every time there's a disruption or there's adversity, uh, those demands are going to be present at various levels. What organizations and leaders can do to offset those uh, really makes all the difference in the world in enabling that resilience. 
I think the key that you're talking about too is the reason why leaders want to focus on this is because as they think about a productive work environment or a healthy work environment, right? Aside from resilience, resilience is just one aspect of a key characteristic to, I think, a, a healthy organization or a strong organization, right? So I think maybe I can talk more about like why it's important in terms of leaders really acknowledging that it's something they need to focus on today and it's not something to put off, especially as they think a lot about cost cutting measures or how to, you know, maintain cash flow and things like that. So I think what you've highlighted is definitely the long-term game is what people need to acknowledge, right? And institutionalize that. I mean, Jerry, you can talk a little bit more about like, how this looks like in terms of training or tools that people can utilize, whether or not it's better communication skills uh, to what Mark's talking about in terms of resources, right? And um, providing a better work environment, um, as well as maybe a little bit about change management or some of the uh, trainings that really help people to get in the right mindset or develop the right skills. So from a standpoint of a leader and a position that a leader um, needs to take on, organizations are constantly under pressure to change, right? And if they're not, then they're really not paying attention to the environment that's out there. Sometimes it's a positive change, sometimes new competition comes in, and sometimes viruses come in and shut things down, right? So as a leadership uh, team, we're constantly seeing change and we're trying to figure out from my engineering background, we'll say pivot, right? Or you look at what the current environment is and you say, okay, am I, am I doing the right thing or do I need to pivot, right? So as a leader, I'm responsible for taking all this change saturation that's going on, good, bad, or whatever, and figuring out how do I disseminate that to my team? And for my team, right, I've got to start setting the stage of what that right culture is. When my team then starts to build uh, trust, you know, with, with us as leadership team, then they're actually able to kind of let go of some of the stress that's out there because they know that as a leader, you know, I'm looking at and figuring out how to handle the change and they can watch that emulation that goes on. Now, one of the things that we teach in uh, our core leadership programs that we have is that the first start of building trust is around the emotional connection, right? So we have a formula, we say our emotional connection uh, plus our behavioral change will allow us to have a performance change, right? So a lot of times companies are out there and they're training and they're focusing all on that behavioral aspect. You know, I need to change this behavior. I need to change that behavior. But until I take that step back and look at the mindset and create an emotional relationship, an emotional bond with the person, the behavioral changes that I'm trying to implement will not really happen. If they don't have a trust that I'm looking at it from their perspective and looking at their best interests, it's very hard to actually get the performance change that we need to occur. And that's one of the fundamentals, whether it's in our leadership class, which really focuses on how do you have that performance change happen, right? 
or in our Dale programs, which actually speaks to a lot of the soft skills and the communication skills, which are fundamental to building that trust aspect that we need to have with others to create either um, cultural changes that need to occur within a business, especially at a time like this, because in a state of fear and panic and uncertainty and stress, culture kind of evolves into something that you may or may not want to have happen, right? So you have to kind of take that step back and constantly be looking at what's going on and how is the culture evolving to create and keep the right culture that you need as a business to perform. So how yeah, would people, a, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, sorry, Tracy, I was gonna respond. Uh, note something that Jerry said, really the focus on trust and as part of that, the transparency. We found in our research, those are two really, really critical things for people to have in order to be positive and confident, right? Because they need to not only trust that their leaders are doing the right thing uh, in the decisions that they're making, particularly at a time of crisis, um, they need to trust that the organization is doing these things for a bit, a, the bigger purpose of the company. And we know how important purpose is, um, you know, especially for, uh, you know, younger generations of workers, but for everyone. And what comes out of that trust or what's, I, I guess, the other side of the coin is that transparency, which really um, allows two-way trust. Right? And so but the reason that decisions are being made or communicated, information flows. So if I'm working from home for the first time, I feel very cut off. Uh, I may only have one or two communications a day with someone where in the past, you know, you're in the office and you're interacting all the time. Um, are we making people feel trusted that we're sharing all the information that they need to have, that what's going on in the organization so they can make decisions, so they can do their work? And uh, so that's all part of the culture here. I think I'm glad you pointed that out. And that trust and transparency are critical and core for that. I think that leads me to the next question, which is how can people build trust very quickly or for, you know, individuals that believe that they don't have soft skill development or, you know, that's just not who I am, right? I'm not a touchy feely type of person. Um, I'm not, you know, communicative. Um, that's just not me. Like, yet they're leaders within an organization, what's the quickest, fastest way for them to get there, right? And especially in, for a lot of organizations who maybe haven't given this thought up until now, right? Yet it's become a very critical time period to all of a sudden kind of jump on the bandwagon and focus on it right now going forward, right? What's the quickest, fastest way for individuals to kind of overcome that and really focus on the how piece of it, right? So from my perspective, I think, you know, it all really kind of focuses on the growth versus a fixed mindset, right? And so if you focus on the, the growth mindset, you know, you go through this continual cycle of always learning, growing, evaluating, right? And a lot of times, you know, we grow when we have successes, but we probably grow a lot more when we have failures, right? And so looking at those and analyzing them, and one of the things we talk about is we have this cycle of performance improvements, right? So the attitude at which we go into any type of uh, opportunity, you know, change, one that needs to be changed or whatever, whatever opportunity we're going into, 
a lot of times people have a lot of the knowledge and skill, but if they don't have the right attitude, it doesn't matter necessarily about the uh, knowledge and skill because the attitude is what's going to impact it and make it succeed or not. So we need like an attitude adjustment, right? Mm-hmm. For those that have a bad attitude, it's almost like going back to school and the teacher saying you need to change your attitude about how you go about doing something, right? No, and it's true. Having a positive mindset is, is really everything. And uh, their studies are coming out all the time. And there's a theory called the broaden and build theory, which really shows and has shown that having a positive mindset um, actually allows you to see possibilities that you could not have seen unless you were positive and therefore not only broadens but builds your capacity to be not only intellectually uh, sharper but actually also physically as well as you're positively looking for those opportunities in the face of something that may not be positive so such again really a critical component and something that we found in our research so maybe i guess to that point like what are things that people can do to develop that mindset? Like I know some people are talking about like meditation or like Mark, you just brought up like some books to read. I mean, for individuals that as leaders, they are also going through their own like negative feelings or processing and such, but yet at the same time need to perform at a higher level and basically change their mindset to be a net from a negative one to a more positive one. What are some tools that they can use to do that? Because they obviously need to lead by example, right? They can't ask their people to all of a sudden change their mindset without first doing the same themselves. Right. So I think maybe some of the books that you mentioned or meditation or, um, quotes of the day i mean i know for me i've got like these this book of quotes sitting next to my nightstand that i try to read about um hope right um and just influence that mindset or that change right and then do we anticipate that there's a trickle down effect right by doing that by taking trainings by um, really equipping yourselves for the long run and to lead the company and lead your people um have we found that by nature of doing that, you're now instilling a stronger culture around positivity, right? And by nature of that, you're also creating more interaction or more um, involvement of people in terms of wanting to interact with positive people, right? It's almost like they're a magnet for uh, now not just surviving, but really thriving. I, I think going back to you know what Mark was saying uh, earlier with the positive attitude, one of the ways to build that is you know, you can focus on and be a glass half empty or a glass half full, right? And especially right now, it's easy to see the glass is half empty. But one of the things that I think is very strategic and important for everyone right now is don't focus on what you can't do, focus on what you can do, right? So as you have some of the extra time, you know, for, for me as a, as a small business right now at this time, right? There's a number of things that I can't do. My business has been very disruptive, right? Because we did, you know, uh, probably about half of our business was, you know, in person. Um, And, you know, and then we were very blessed because we have a whole live online, you know, opportunity um, that we're able to offer people. But, you know, I had to look and say, okay, what can I do right now? What are the things that I can be focusing on? And I have such very little time to make strategic decisions as a business leader 
I need to spend the time on the things that I can have an impact with. And I need to put aside the things that I truly could worry about. Mm -hmm. And actually, we're very blessed. Uh, Mr. Carnegie uh, actually wrote a book on how to deal with worry and stress. And so if they have some extra reading time, (laughs) I would highly recommend uh, reading that book. Um, and we have our little golden book that they can actually download from our website that's very nice. It takes our principles and a number of them from, you know, the how to um, work through worry and stress, and it lists uh, them. And so, you know, it talks about focusing on date-type compartments, right? And so instead of looking at the whole big picture and, you know, the world's falling, you know, take a step back and look at, you know, from a day type compartment, what do I need to deal with right now? And sectionalize that out and address that from a perspective of what I can do. Mark, I'll I'll let you comment. Yeah, no, and and I think, and he talks a lot about not worrying, I think what you were referring to, don't worry about what you don't have control over. And we found in our research, one of the um, important factors that leaders and organizations can do to really enable resilience is to provide um, autonomy and empowerment because that gives people the opportunity to feel like they have control over what they do in, in, in their work. If there are clear expectations and if they understand the purpose of the organization and what they're doing and they're linking these changes and these adverse conditions, what they're being asked to do and these decisions that are coming down from management, if they can link that with the purpose, then again, they feel like they have control. If they're empowered, if they're made to feel autonomous, then again, they have control. And that helps tremendously, I think, with that. And I think what you guys are alluding to is having the right like frameworks and processes in place too, so that it's clear how people should operate and they feel empowered to make decisions like in in an autonomous environment, while at the same time not causing maybe greater uncertainty to leaders because they're not sure what kind of decisions are being made, right? Well, Tracy, and I would add on to that from the standpoint um, of making sure you have a clear vision and mission as a business. And then each department slash employee understanding what their role is and how to make decisions based upon it. And, you know, one of the um, examples that I like to use is Disney, right? So Disney has a clear vision and mission statement. Mm -hmm. And the employees, you know, it's the happiest place on earth, right? So employees use that constantly to evaluate everything that they do. So for example, you know, a janitor is responsible for keeping, you know, the area pristine, right? But if he gets approached by one of the guests that come to Disneyland and they're asked the question, you know, and the customer, their customer guest needs help, they know that the vision and mission of Disney is this is the happiest place on earth. So they will make a decision and evaluate and move forward, making sure that they're fulfilling that vision and mission. And they know that that's what they are to do. So we as business leaders need to realize that if we set a good vision and mission statement, our employees can use that to make the decisions that are critical and needed for a company. Because as a business leader, we can't make them all. But if we give them the right tools and the processes and put those in place, 
and they can make effective decisions, um, we all win. That's I think that's right. where... No, sorry, sorry Tracy. No, and I'm yeah. just going to refer that back to the, that purpose that I mentioned before. I mean, that, that makes absolute sense. And you look at times of crisis and how purpose really, I think, encourages and energizes people. And you see uh, the front line of the medical community. I mean, putting their life on the line every day, um, working just ridiculous hours because they have a purpose and a mission and they know what that is. And that gives everybody a sense of, um, of like, this is okay. I can make a sacrifice in my life too for this greater purpose. It's that guiding light, that North star. And it, it's, I think even more important during times of crisis really to, to keep people going, to keep people encouraged. And they don't have to be, you know, something like keeping people alive. And it could be that, look, we do this for our customers and we need to stay in the field and, you know, be safe and, and practice, you know, within all the guidelines and everything, but our customers depend on us. And the value that we provide is important for their livelihood and for their businesses. So however you define it, that's a purpose, again, that really keeps people going, the, the Disney mission. You look at Ritz-Carlton and, and on and on and on of these great brands who've done such a good job of really defining the purpose for their employees. I think you guys both bring up another point, which is like, it's revisiting what is your purpose, right? As a company. And it doesn't matter whether or not you're saving lives or whether or not you're a home furnishings company that's providing a home, right? How do you provide a better home for somebody, right? Like every business has a specific mission or purpose from which people can get behind and have a greater sense of, I think, affinity and community, right? And I think the other thing you're highlighting in terms of mission and purpose is, what is the framework or what are the processes from which you're operating from so that people can rely upon that in uncertain times too, right? They're not haphazardly going about trying to figure out how to operate or what to do. There is a system or process and there's tools already existing um, that help them to do that. So I think you guys have really touched upon some really important points, which is it's anywhere from, you know, having a positive attitude and a, and a specific mindset, right? What are your thoughts that are governing your actions, right? Another piece is really having a pr strong purpose, a strong mission, and really focusing on the center of every business, which is people, right? It doesn't matter whether or not you're in manufacturing or in distribution or in retail or a service business. It all involves like people at the heart of who we interact with, right? Who we work with. And when we spend the majority of our time at work, we always said like it's higher than spending time at home, right? But now they're one and the same. How do we really focus on what people need, right? And I think what it sounds like is resilience is really about, would you say like the nature by which we approach things, right? It's an attitude. It's a toolkit. It's a, it's a way we communicate. It's a way that we um, get through something, right? So that we come out on the other side stronger than we have before, and so hopefully that's something that we can take away with COVID-19 is it's really getting clear on the things that we were lacking maybe up until this point, right? And really drill down on the things that we neglected, whether or not it's, you know, trainings or marketing or, you know, operations and process. I know something that we always talk about as an evaluation firm is really tracking and measuring your outcomes and really getting clear on what those tools are and what your purpose is, right? And how all these things are integrated together, right? 
So using this time, I think, is what we're all advocating to really get clear on those things and take action, which I think is empowerment, right? That in of itself is helpful to get through this, but also we don't know how long this is going to be for, right? We don't know what the long-term economic impact is. And so I think um, following this podcast, what I'd like to do is really um, circle back to you guys and really help provide people with the tools of the Dale Carnegie's book, because I think that's a really useful tool that people can use today, right, and get started on in terms of a tool they can use, and then also better understand, you know, change management and agility. So I really appreciate both of you committing your time to really talk about this subject, because I think it's an important one. And I think what's more important is a lot of people are talking about resilience or what they need to do. But as leaders, we really need something actionable to do, like something we can act upon and not only just talk about resilience, right, and the importance of it. So I really appreciate you guys highlighting what Del Garnicky can offer in terms of tools, um, the research that can back up and support how it's being used, right, and then obviously how we can help companies in our community, and it doesn't matter what business they're in, to really do this, right? So I really appreciate you both joining me this morning and helping us and just having a sense of community here on Zoom and talking about it. So thank you. Thank you. I enjoyed it. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Driving Outcomes. If you'd like to listen to or download other episodes of Driving Outcomes, go to ewnpodcastnetwork.com. This podcast is also available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and most other major podcast networks. Please also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn as The Mark USA. We hope you'll join us again next week for more conversations with today's leaders who are driving for results and achieving phenomenal business outcomes. Have you ever asked yourself this question? Why is it so hard to make a buck? (laughs) I know I have. Hi, I'm Sandra Yancey, founder and CEO of eWomen Network. What I have discovered after going from the brink of bankruptcy to running a multi-million dollar award-winning business is this. You can't build a million dollar dream hanging around minimum wage mindsets. My mission is one million women entrepreneurs generating one million dollars in annual revenue. So here's what I've done. I've created the mother of all entrepreneur success programs that you can access online on your time. It's called Monetize Me Now. It's a seven module online course that is 100% my success formula, covering mindset, mission, management, motivation, marketing, and measure. Come on, take my hand and I'll show you the way to learn to earn flowing revenue for your business. Visit monetizemenow.com for details. Calling all speakers. eWomen Network has speaking engagements all over North America that must be filled. Are you a gifted messenger, author, expert, or successful entrepreneur that can help women entrepreneurs grow their businesses? Our mission is to help 1 million fulfilled women each achieve $1 million in annual revenue. If you're a speaker that can help women prosper, go to eWomenNetwork.com and sign up as a pro member of our Speakers Network. That's eWomenNetwork.com. Thanks for listening. This is the EWN Podcast Network.